God, I do thank you for the opportunity to come together. God, we do just praise your name. We just continue on in that, in that same spirit and atmosphere just of worship, of reverence, God. We just declare that into the atmosphere that you are God, that you are sovereign over all. God, I thank you for meeting us here today in this place. I thank you for stirring up the hunger in this place today. God, I thank you that there is a remnant of people who are hungry, who are crying out, God, for more of you, for more of your presence, God. They want to seek your face. They want to see you move like never before. So I pray, God, that you would stir us up even more today, God, that you would exhort us with your word, with your spirit, with your truth today, God, that you would equip us, that you would empower us, that you would strengthen us, God, with the truth of who you are so that we can take it with us as we go forth into our lives. So I pray that you would do it, God. You would seal the work even before we begin today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as we saw uh, last week, we looked at the first stages of the prophetic precursors to revival and how that begins with us individually. So we saw how Elijah listened. He obeyed the Lord. He was led by the spirit. He was provided for. And this is the same blueprint that is for us today. This week, we are continuing on looking through the life of Elijah in the next level where we start seeing breakthroughs in the homes, in the families that listen and obey the word of the Lord through the prophetic. So the first thing we're going to look today at is change with the seasons. We saw that Elijah obeyed the Lord and went by the brook where God commanded the ravens to bring food for him. I don't want us to miss this today. God had commanded ravens to bring food to a certain spot, to a certain brook, but this was for a certain time. It was only for a season. So let's look at verse 7 of 1 Kings 17. It happened after a while that the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. What I want us to get out of this today, we can't get stuck so much in what God has done in the past that we end up missing out on what he is doing now. What if Elijah had gotten disgruntled or even entitled at what God was doing? No, you said I was supposed to come here and you were going to take care of me. And God's like, look, I've got this next thing ready for you to do. It's not over here anymore. It's over here. It would have actually, in this case, cost him his life if he would have been that stubborn. The season had shifted. One season had ended and a new one was trying to begin. God already had the next thing lined up for his prophet. And we know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can't agonize over the past and miss out on what God is trying to provide for us now. Next, we see the Lord directs Elijah to go to a certain city, to a certain widow who would provide food for him there. In 1 Kings 17, 8 through 9. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. 
Now, I did want to talk about this for just a moment today because we know from the 12 tribes of Israel, there was a tribe called Issachar, and they were gifted by discerning the times and the seasons. And I love how God puts different gifts within the body. And we see even back in the Old Testament, each tribe had like a function. And as long as they all operated in their function, the whole nation was able to be prosperous and succeed. So Issachar discerned the times and the seasons. So I've just been pressing into that and just asking God to pour out an Issachar anointing on his prophets in this season so that we could be able to clearly see what is God doing? Where is God wanting to go? What is he trying to lead us to next so that we don't miss what he is trying to do? I don't want us to get stuck into a routine and be too comfortable with the routine that we miss out on what God's trying to do. That's like Religion. Religion gets so stuck in its ways that it refuses to move forward even a little bit into what the Spirit of God is trying to lead us into next. So we don't want that. We want to be sensitive to the Spirit and not miss the next season for our miracle. The second thing we need to look at today is very key into going into this next level. Unfortunately, It's also an opportunity where we could miss it if we're not careful. This is the key. God can use anything. Now, I know we say that sometimes, and we probably mean it when we say that. But really stop and think about that for a moment. God can use anything. He is not limited to what we think he can or can't do or who we think he can or cannot use. Everything in the world is his, and he is sovereign overall. That means at any point in time, he can literally use anything or anyone to play a part in God's will being done in the earth. Now, I know, because uh, I've thought this too, you might be thinking, yeah, I know, God can use anyone. But do we really believe this? I mean, at least me in my natural mind, I like things to kind of make sense. I like everything to kind of be suited to like, okay, that's logical. There's an order. I get it. But let's go with some examples. Let's look at the burning bush. I don't know about you. That doesn't make sense to me at all. It makes no sense that a bush would be on fire but not actually burn up and be consumed. That's weird. That defies like every law of physics, okay? Also, bushes can't talk. I don't know if you, yeah, come talk to me afterwards if you hear the plants talking to you. But like, (laughs) bushes don't talk, okay? So that's another thing. It doesn't make sense. But God decided to use this thing to get a hold of Moses, to get his attention, to speak powerfully into his life, and it totally rerouted his entire destiny. Now, okay, you might be saying, okay, that's great. But let's look at like a modern example of something that God could use that may not necessarily make sense, but that he can use to bring about his will. We talked about social media, and a lot of times that might be like, well, that's like a time waster or something I do just to kind of pass the time. It's fun. But God can use this tool 
to get the word across the entire world to encourage people, to breathe life into people and to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ over the world in an instant. This was something unthinkable not too long ago, but now every person on the planet has a way to potentially reach every other person on the planet with a click of a button. It's pretty crazy but it's something that can be used for God's will to be done. If we refuse to acknowledge the simple truth that God can and does use anything to accomplish his will, we could very easily miss the next thing he's trying to do right in front of us. Imagine if Elijah would have refused to acknowledge that God could supernaturally provide for him at this brook. Now, you know, drinking out of a brook isn't really like a weird concept. That's actually what you would do, right? You go, you drink the water. But sitting there and waiting for birds to come airmail you food to keep you alive, that's supernatural. That is crazy to the natural mind, yet that's what God chose to get his provision to his people. Here at Freedom House, we are a supernatural church. We have been laying the groundwork and expectation for supernatural things to happen. Now, the Lord will lead and guide and make miraculous ways for things to happen according to his will. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I am believing God for a debt-free, totally paid-for and furnished building for Freedom House to the glory of God and for his kingdom. I don't have an explanation for this. It doesn't make sense. If you look at the the size of the church, the age of the church, it doesn't make sense. I really don't care. I feel very strongly about this in my spirit, and I'm going to believe that God is going to do it in his time and in his way. Now, let's get back to Elijah for a minute. Let's take this a step further. What type of bird did God command to bring Elijah his food. Ravens. So why is that significant? Why would that potentially be confusing or mess up Elijah? Look with me back at Leviticus chapter 11, starting at verse 13. These are the birds you are to regard as unclean and not eat because they're unclean. The eagle the vulture, the black vulture, the red kite, any kind of black kite in verse 15, any kind of raven. Some translations state these birds were abominations, even detestable. But you'll notice God specifically highlights any kind of raven as being unclean for his people to eat. Yet it's a raven God commands to bring his prophet something to eat. Can you imagine what must have been going through this prophet's mind as he's making his way to the brook, thinking about what God had just told him? I mean, it might have been something like this. Did God really just say he's going to send ravens? Like, ravens? I mean, doves, of course. God can use doves to accomplish his will. But ravens, they're unclean. But that's what God said he would use to bring my food. So, hey, I guess it's coming by ravens. Is there anything you might consider ravens that God may consider your pathway for blessing? Don't miss the miracle because it comes from a source you don't think God would use. God will be seen and come through often in the unlikeliest ways and places precisely because 
It defies our logic and can only be explained by him. So I would just encourage you, don't be too consumed by the how of what God will do. Just trust and obey. He will make a way. Trust that he knows how to bring your child back to the Lord. Trust that he can make a way for your marriage to be restored. Trust that he has a plan specifically tailored to you for your health to be renewed. Don't underestimate how God can use the seemingly insignificant things to bring about his mighty deeds in your life. Because Elijah was willing to lay aside everything he thought of what might be possible with God, Elijah quickly began to learn the key that God really can use anything, which is good. Because his next command would stretch the prophet even further in establishing this paradigm. So let's pick back up in verse 8. The word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I've commanded a widow to provide for you. Several key things from this command. First, this town and region is not under King Ahab's dominion. God's not sending the prophet of Israel to a nice little village in Israel to be provided for. He's actually sending the prophet into enemy territory. But not just any enemy territory. This was located in Phoenicia and probably the area where the wicked queen Jezebel was from. Remember, who was Jezebel from 1 Kings 16.31? She was the daughter of Ethbel, the king of the Sidonians. And we just saw who owned Zarephath. It belongs to Sidon. So what is God up to? Again, here is a chance for the person of God to overthink what are you up to? Like, you, you, under, you understand where you're sending me, right? Like, that's like behind enemy lines. That's like the enemy's camp. That's where you're sending me. That's where you're going to provide. I'm sure he's probably thinking, well, that unclean raven thing seemed to work out. So I guess I'll just trust you here. I guess they're going to take care of me over there. Let's go. The other thing to note here is that God was not sending Elijah to a rich prosperous benefactor who would be able easily to provide for all of his needs. No, he was going to find a widow, someone who had lost her husband, who during that time also meant she just lost every means necessary of being able to support herself, let alone another grown man. Yet that is who God had commanded in this season to serve and supply him during this drought. Again, God is establishing the principle that he can use anything. Now, I imagine as Elijah was journeying to this town, I don't know if y'all do this, but I kind of imagine, kind of put myself in there. What was he thinking? As he was reflecting on the voice of God, as he was remembering what God had already done for him, as he would be crossing into the enemy territory with all this going on, Maybe he was meditating on the truth from Psalm 23. Adonai is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul and guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. 
I'm sure Elijah would have been reflecting on how God had led him by the still waters of that brook and restored him there. But I'm sure it really would have taken an interesting turn as he would have kept going in verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You've anointed my head with oil and my cup overflows. And then as Elijah would think towards the future in context of what God was going to do and provide for him. We see in verse six, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I came here today to challenge some prophetic people. Trust God enough to know that if he's your shepherd, you shall not want. As you're being led by his spirit, he will sustain you. He will make a way for your needs to be met, even supernaturally. When the enemy is lying to you, trying to tear you down and tear you apart, the Lord will come in and restore you. He will breathe new life into you again. When you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, when all hope seems lost, when the situation seems impossible or the mountain itself seems to overshadow you, you walk in confidence knowing the Lord is with me and his spirit is comforting me in my time of need. The Holy Spirit's called a comforter for a reason. That's who he is and that's what he does. And we need his comfort as we go through this life. Now, this is where I want to focus on. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, this really defies all logic and reason. But sometimes God will allow us to go through these seasons to get us to pull closer to him. Yes, but he is also trying to set something up for us. Sometimes God will arrange things in such a way that he will actually begin to funnel his blessing through our enemies. Now, look, this is not the way that I would choose to set things up, but God's ways are not our ways. And he is always working something greater behind the scenes. You could actually look at it kind of like poetic justice. The very people who had produced Jezebel, who had come in and started to corrupt Israel and God's people will now be the ones commanded by God to shelter and provide for God's persecuted prophet. God had already prepared a table for Elijah, but it was located in the presence of his enemies. And God caused Elijah's enemies to now turn around and bless him. God can use anything. And the third key we need to grab hold of today is faith unlocks miracles. And we talked about this before. But this is another one of those timeless truths that's woven all throughout scripture. Have faith, trust in the Lord, only believe. If Elijah didn't have faith in God, he wouldn't be able to step out and do the next thing that God was calling him to do and act according to the word of the Lord. Faith and belief lead to some type of action, like going to a brook to get fed by ravens. 
And as we see in verse 10, Elijah's response to God sending him behind enemy lines to be fed by a poor widow. So he arose and went to Zarephath. I love it. He arose and he went. Simple obedience, faith in action. This is what it takes to unlock the miracles God is waiting in store for us. No matter how crazy it sounds, no matter if it's nothing you would have planned for or done, or if it doesn't make sequential sense to us, if the spirit of God says move, we move. If he says go, we go. If he says I will provide abundance for you out of total lack and poverty, we say, okay, bring it on, Lord. I don't understand, but I trust you. He's not looking for a perfect resume before he starts to use people. He's looking for willing hearts that will trust him to make up the difference. So let's pick back up in verse 10. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and he said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called after her and said, and please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. I love this too. Elijah didn't waste any time. He said, look, God sent me here on a mission. There's a widow. You got what I need. Oh my, there's a widow right out of the gate. You need to bring me some water like right now. But this is a really beautiful response if you think about this. In the midst of a severe drought, her being a destitute widow herself, and Elijah being a stranger, even from the enemy's side, she actually goes and gets him some water. Elijah's faith in God's word was already putting the miracle into motion, but he didn't stop there. He went ahead and asked her for the bread too, and notice her response in verse 12. She said, As the Lord your God lives, I have no bread, only a handful of flour in the bowl and a little oil in the jar. See, I'm gathering a few sticks so I may go bake it for me and my son that we may eat it as our last meal and then die. That's pretty strong. This woman's first recorded words are actually very similar to Elijah's first words with one important distinction. She says, the Lord, your God. She doesn't say my God. She doesn't say the God. She says your God. Even then, there is something about Elijah's God that didn't push her away, that actually invited her in. Now also notice, she starts to paint a very bleak picture of just how bad it is for her. She's literally preparing to make her last meal for her and her family, and then they're going to die. I'm sure she was like, look, man, I know you're really hungry, but I literally have nothing. I just have enough for one final meal, and then we're done. I'd love to help you, but I really don't even have anything for me. But I love this about God because... He never asks us for what we don't have, only what we do. What will we do with the little that God has placed in our hands? This is the critical juncture in the life of the widow, and this next decision would be life or death. 
Listen, if we're going to be in the prophetic and learning and developing and growing in this capacity, we are going to constantly have our faith stretched. We are constantly going to have to trust in the Lord. This is the place where Elijah's faith and this widow's faith are intersecting, which is another beautiful thing that only God can do. He divinely arranges for people's paths to cross at just the right time at just a certain place so that he can unleash blessing and favor and answer multiple requests at the same time. I wonder how much time passed from when the widow told Elijah how bad things were before he gets this next word from the Lord for her. Like while he was going to the city, did God already kind of clue him in? Like, she's going to tell you this, but you're just going to say this back to her? Or did he have to wait for a moment and wait for God to download something before he could speak back to her? I kind of think it's the latter because this whole process through Elijah, he's taking him step by step through faith. And that's exactly what he's doing with us too. But look at what he says to her starting in verse 13. Elijah said, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but... Make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth again, which is another kingdom principle here. If we will put God first and put faith in him, then he will meet all of our needs as well. Now, I know many of us have had this revelation and we come and we return ties to the Lord, trusting that he will do more with 90 than we ever could with 100. But few of us have ever or will ever be in such a dire circumstance as this widow, literally down to her last meal, thinking she is going certainly to die. And yet there was something in her. There was something in what Elijah said to her that stirred some type of faith in her that she said, you know what? There's something on him that I, I think this is true and I need to step out and do the unthinkable. I mean, think about it. I was literally thinking about that as I was preparing this. This would be like if I went up to a stranger's home in another country, knocked on the door, Hey, excuse me, you don't know me. I'm a complete stranger and you look like you're about to die of hunger. But the God that you don't know or believe in sent me here to take your food. And if you give it to me, then you're never going to run out of food and you'll be totally blessed. Okay? I mean, honestly, would you do it? Would I do it? I'd like to think in the moment I'd be able to respond in faith and heed the word of the Lord, no matter how crazy or beyond my comprehension it was. Yet we know that this widow found the final key to unlock miraculous breakthrough and provision in the first part of verse 15. She went and did as Elijah said. Just like when Elijah received a word from the Lord and went and did according to what God said, this widow actually went and did to what he said. They both had to have faith. They both had to listen and obey what God said. They both had to step out and actually do something irrational to receive something supernatural. Is God faithful? 
Does God promise and not deliver what he said? Look at the rest of verse 15 and 16. And she and Elijah and her household ate for many days. The bowl of flour was never exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty in accordance with the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. Because they exercised their faith in God through action, they got to experience and feast on God's miraculous provision. Because this woman received and listened to the prophet of God, she was blessed and got to experience the truth of 2 Chronicles 20.20. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. We have to constantly believe in the Lord to be secure, and we must believe in him speaking through the prophetic to prosper and succeed. Now, as not believing everything that everyone says, we talked about judging prophecy and testing the spirits, but accepting the true word of the Lord and acting on it in faith unlocks the miracles. It doesn't matter what the circumstances look like. God can make you flourish in a famine. It doesn't matter what everyone around you may be doing. God can make a way for you through the desert. It doesn't matter what's happened previously. God can create a new thing in your life right now. It doesn't matter if people around you don't understand. You may not even understand yourself. But God is faithful and true. And he will finish what he starts and what he has promised. If you could totally understand it or explain it away... It really wouldn't be supernatural. Now, many don't want to live this way, walking by faith, trusting in God for everything, leaning in and depending on him in patience to open doors for them that no one can shut, to light the path for them so they can see where to go, to gently be led and guided in humility, to have someone else tell them what to do, where to go, how to serve. It's hard. It goes against everything natural and of our flesh. But that is what we must do to honor and serve the Lord. Whatever it takes in love, humility, faith, and obedience. Everyone wants to see a miracle. But no one wants to be in a position to need one. But my Bible says the just shall live by faith. The people who are daring enough to believe God for the impossible are the ones who will get to experience the truth that all things are possible with God. I'm going to say that again. All things are possible with God. We run this church on that. All things are possible with God. You're home when you don't see any way through. All things are possible with God. Maybe it's your finances and you don't see any way those numbers are going to add up. But all things are possible with God. Your marriage might seem like it's too far gone and there's no hope. But all things are possible with God. Every miracle, every healing, every answered prayer we've seen and are seeing right now is only because all things are possible with God. God can use the things that seem weak and poor to give us strength and blessing. 
God can use the very ones we would consider our enemies to turn around and be our greatest source of blessing. God can take the wealth of the wicked, store it up for the righteous, and release it to his people at just the right time. He can turn our season of lack into our season of provision in an instant. He can use anything he wants to bless and take care of his people. He can find you wherever you are and draw you closer to his heart right now. He will grow and mature our faith so that we can step out and begin to release his blessing and favor into other people's homes and families. This is about learning to depend on God as our source, walking by faith, and then getting the blessing of walking in his plan of provision. It's about being blessed to be a blessing. It's about being willing to be sent by God to someone, a neighbor, a family, maybe even your own family, and being a blessing to them as well. As we do, we take that next step on our journey from individually having faith, walking in obedience, and seeing God move to helping other people walk in faith, helping other people walk in obedience, and seeing God move in their lives as well. This is the seeds of the prophetic activating the spread of revival. I want us to take this out into our homes and communities and release the prophetic to spread revival into other lives. Elijah was sent by God, released a prophetic word over a woman's house, and it produced a reviving, a refreshing, and a sustaining for all of them. This is where we go next. This is where we take it to the streets and ask God, where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to speak life to? Here I am, Lord, send me. As we're going through this series, walking through the life of Elijah, I refuse for us to miss the miracles. We will not be the church that misses the miracles, and you will not be a people who misses the miracles in your home, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, and in your schools. We are people who pull on the miracle maker. We are the people who walk in the supernatural We have to be commissioned to take revival outside the walls of the church. We have to be a church who's willing to go, who knows that when I leave this building, I take revival fire with me. So today, we're going to end similar to how we did last week. We want to commission you. We want to anoint you to go forth in power. So I'm going to ask you to come forward and I'm going to lay hands on you and pray because I want you to be sent out with fresh oil, fresh anointing on you. So when you open your mouth, fresh manna flows out, fresh glory flows out because you are glory dwellers and revivalists. But we have to take this glory and revival with us wherever we go. So as you feel led, please come and let's pray in faith together.